Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Downrange, presented by Mr. Mod Golf. If you haven't checked out Mr. Mod Golf, please visit them at their website, www.mrmagolf.com. That's mrmagolf.com. Follow them on Instagram at Mr. Ma Golf. Check out everything that they have to offer. This episode is a little bit different. I asked for some questions from the listeners. Thank you so much to everybody who sent them in. We have a wide variety of topics that we're going to cover today. A lot of people sending me questions about global conflicts. Last week, I was on the Trap Draw with TC and Big Randy. If you haven't caught that episode yet, please go back and listen to it. Where we cover everything from Iran, Russia-Ukraine conflict, a little bit of China, and uh, a lot of other BS that's going on in the world. So please go check out the Trap Draw podcast, and we'll see how this one goes. I've received quite a few questions, and if there is more and people like this, I'll continue to do them. Maybe not full-time every week, but every once in a while we'll get out a bonus episode So if you want to send me a question, please send it in DM, either on Twitter or Instagram, or shoot me an email, cody at nolayingup.com. All right, let's get to it. lot of interesting questions here about tobacco usage how long i've been using tobacco why i decided to quit everything else like that so to get it started i was a young dumb kid probably 12 13 years old and the people around me were using chewing tobacco at the time i thought they were cool the cool guys looking back probably one of the dumbest things i ever could have done in my entire life But that sent me on this course for over 20 years now, chewing. I hate it. I told my wife when I first met her, thank you for dealing with this. And I promise you that I will quit by the time that we get married. That did not happen. Then I rolled it into I'll quit by the time that we have kids. That did not happen. So it finally happened. And the reason that it did is is I just could not deal with spending $6 anymore. I couldn't deal with the feeling of my mouth, just everything about it. I think it got to the point where the oral fixation was somewhat gone, but I still needed the nicotine in my life, and I still need the nicotine in my life. And Neil Icarito introduced me to Zinn. When he was trying to break his habit from hitting that little jewel pot all the time. So I started using Zen. It's been an absolute game changer for me. And it's something that I started out doing two Zen six milligram pouches every single time. Now down to just using one three milligram pouch. So if you're a parent out there and you see tobacco... In your kids' lives, get it away. If you're you're an adult and you're still smoking or dipping, 
get rid of it, man. There's so many health benefits. There's so many studies out there that tell you how bad it is. And I know it seems like an impossible task at the time, but everybody around you will be thankful that you ended up quitting. The next question that we have here, any changes since your what's in the bag video? I do not think, actually, yes. My what's in the bag video, I had last year's models of the Apex Pros. Earlier this year, I switched over to the Rogue Pros and the TCBs. I have a combo set. So I have Rogue Pros for iron through six iron i have the tcbs in seven iron through pitching wedge i have the new callaway raw wedges in the bag and woods are the new rogue line so yes to answer your question almost everything has changed i think we filmed my what's in the bag in middle of february of this year and that was before we got the majority of the new Callaway gear in outside of Woods, I guess we had them then. So everything has changed. But if you want more questions on what's in the bag stuff, just shoot me a message. I can send you specs, pictures, everything that you might need, if that's your your sort of thing. Next question. How's Texas Haas? Texas is going great. Moved here at quite possibly the hottest time of the year. I don't know why we decided to do it then. It was like 104 degrees the day that I rolled the RV into town. The kids were still uh, staying in an Airbnb with Yari trying to hold down the fort. I rolled in. U-Haul loaded up expecting to close on the house that day. We ended up getting delayed a couple extra days, which sent the whole thing into chaos. Anyway. We ended up getting into our house, beautiful home, and slowly but surely as the kids have gotten adjusted to school, we've gotten adjusted to the new house. It's starting to feel like a home. And I think everybody has that feeling of blank walls and blank spaces. And little by little, the house starts to feel like a home. And it's been an amazing feeling. Now, that's all good on the home front. I will say this, we've been here for almost two months now. I have not played a single round of golf. That's going to change this week because I have the opportunity to go up to the new courses in Frisco that the PGA built. So Fields Ranch East and Fields Ranch West, I think they're called. I'll play there this week. Um, and those will be my first rounds of golf. Practice-wise, I still get out and hit balls a lot. I've been hitting up Texas Rangers up in Arlington and a couple other spots around Fort Worth. So we'll get there. Still trying to get uh, involved not only in the roost that we have here, but also just trying to meet new people. I was very lucky in my military career that basically I only lived in two places. That was down in Georgia and then up in North Carolina. So I haven't had this feeling of being without a community for a long time. Part of the reason why we moved to Texas is because this is where my wife is from. Her best friend lives five minutes down the road. Her brother and his family live two hours away from us. That's why we moved here, was to be closer to family. So I'm very, very happy that 
she already has a sense of community. And I know that over time, and when we actually get settled into this house and travel kind of lessens up for me a little bit, I know that I'll have that too. But in the meantime, I'm just going to be out banging golf balls by myself. The next question comes from Instagram from pave underscore way. When are you making your way out to big country? I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess that you meant big sky country, meaning Montana. And I don't know. I was supposed to be in Montana last week for a fundraising dinner for big sky bravery. Ultimately, that didn't end up happening. I didn't make the trip partially because my wife is out of town and I didn't want to fly my parents in from Montana just to make it so I could fly to Montana. And we have a lot of travel lined up for work getting us to the end of the year. Solly TC and I are going to Korea for like 10 days in a week. After that, we have a couple two-day trips all leading up to the NIT, the Nest Invitational Tournament at the beginning of November. Then I'm going to take like a week off little vacation finally for Yari and I right up until Thanksgiving and then hopefully shut it down by the end of the year. But I'm getting extremely jealous right now because I see all my buddies, everybody that I know back home and a ton of people migrating to Montana right now for elk season. So I definitely have the itch, but I just don't think it's going to happen this year. Next question from Logan War. One golf club for hand-to-hand combat. What are you reaching for? I think most people would probably say like a two-iron here. But I don't know. I don't think the actual club head makes too much of a difference. Ultimately, I think the head is going to break off at some point in time. So you're just going to end up with a shaft. So yeah, maybe a wedge, maybe a long iron. Who knows? Uh... I don't think it would be a wood, though, or anything with the graphite shaft, but very interesting question there. Next is from Heston Heller. Dallas versus Fort Worth vibe. Who are you feeling so far? I don't think that I've lived here long enough or experienced equal cities enough to answer this question. And I know by answering it, I'm going to offend someone, but... I have no issues doing that. Before I moved here, I knew that Fort Worth was going to be more of my scene. I have this feeling there of more open and welcoming, maybe more blue-collar people there are confident in who they are, what they do for a living, and what their town kind of stands for. Whereas Dallas... From an outsider's perspective, I've always seen it very much as a pinky up. You're either in or you're not. And that just kind of is not who I am. That's not what I go for. Since I've been here, though, that has completely changed. I'll say that Dallas is very warm and welcoming. Now, there are places that you go to that my wife will take me to. Majority of the time for brunch where you get the pinky up mimosa crowds. And that's not a shot against mimosas. They're very delicious. But I still think I need a little bit more time really in Dallas to give you a fair assessment of which ones, you know, pros and cons of each city. But I will say 
it's going to be very, very hard to knock Fort Worth out of it for me. Because, like I said, I just think that, you know, of all the places in Texas, I probably belong in Fort Worth. One-arm PGA golfer. When Ukraine wins, let's go play. Absolutely, brother. That's Alex Fiore, prior guest on Downrange. Phenomenal showing this summer, not only at the USGA, US Adaptive Open, but also everything that he's continued to do, giving lessons and speeches and you name it to everybody out there in the adaptive golf world could not be more appreciative of you Alex and everything you do for the game keep up the good work the next question is any experience with Germany airports armed forces intelligence food golf anything at all you know I do not I've never played golf in Germany I have only had food at the Ramstein airport. I've been in there dozens and dozens of times, too many times. But I don't think I've had, like I've never done anything outside of the base, which is surprising. Next question is from Outstanding Golf on Instagram. Outside of golf, what other hobbies, passions do you have? I'm really big into woodworking, make some shelves, try to make the majority of furniture that we have in the house. I would not say I'm an expert at all. This is all very much do-it-yourself. But YouTube, some amazing builders out there on social media go a long way to help you out with that. I also say that I like food, not just eating it, of course, like everybody else, but cooking. I like experimenting, trying new recipes out and seeing what is delicious, not just for Yari and I, but also what the kids will eat. Because as most of you parents know out there, trying to get little kids to eat food is one of the most frustrating and challenging parts of parenthood. So if anybody has any tips out there for that, please shoot them my way. If it's not mac and cheese, they basically don't want to eat it. The next question comes from my buddy, partner in crime, DJ Pajowski. He also is my accountability buddy. We started this 22 and 22 goals for this year. We try to keep each other in line. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But at the end of the day, we know that a random text can be fired at any point in time and you're immediately questioned on updates on what you are doing fitness-wise. He's been doing phenomenal. I think... We kind of hit a little slump the middle of the year. And when we got done with tourist sauce, we were both highly motivated by Neil's goal of hitting a 10 strain every single day on his whoop. So we both have kind of enacted that. My goal for this year was to lose 22 pounds. Before we left on tourist sauce, I was already at 25 pounds loss for this year. And I knew the hardest part about it was going to be maintaining it through that trip. It's long. You're working long hours. You're eating out every single meal. And I knew that it could potentially knock me off of everything that I had started. But I maintained it throughout the trip. I got home, started the drive across country. And then the process of trying to get settled into the new house 
that's what did me in. There was a lot of quick, bad takeout meals, fast food, and it kind of started to get away. But the 10-strain goal daily has got me back on track. Now, I'm going to surpass my 22 pounds this year. But in June, I set a new goal. And that's, I wanted to be below 190 pounds. I haven't been below 190 pounds since like, I don't know, six years ago. Definitely before kids. And I think at that weight was when I felt the best. My body was operating at the highest potential. And also, it's when I did not snore. And I think that's one of the driving forces right now to get me to that number is that I'm sick of waking up in the morning, having my wife roll over, look at me and ask, how did you sleep last night? And me being afraid to answer her because I know she is going to tell me that she slept horribly because my snoring was too bad. So that's what my goals are. I'm working hard and we're going to get there, buddy. Next question is all about military service and the age to volunteer for military service. Question is, how old is too old to volunteer? If you look at the Army active component, they'll tell you that 35 is the cap. If you look at the Marine Corps, it's like 25 or 27. If you look at all the other branches, I'm pretty sure it's right at 39. But overall, what I have noticed that as soon as you cross 30 years old, you don't necessarily lose your step, but you lose the ability to recover fast enough to be able to keep up with your peers at the time. If you're coming in as a 35-year-old, lower enlisted men, your peers are going to be 18 and 19 years old. They do not have any bad habits. And that has been the biggest issue that I've seen with older people coming into the military is that based off of their natural life and the lives that they've lived up until that point, they've formed bad habits that end up being harder to break over time. On the flip side of that, they bring life experience, which is very good. Usually that life experience that they bring factors in more when they get into a leadership position, but that's not necessarily needed when you're in your lower ranks. Next question. Talk to me about compartmentalizing military life with normal life during and after. It's a hard question, and I can go multiple different directions with it. I think for me, military life, the life that I used to live, was very fast-paced. It was always job first. Everything else came second. And I had a very hard time putting my normal life to the side because I was constantly on. Even when I was at home, you were training. When you were not training, you were preparing to deploy. And when you were not preparing to deploy, you're usually on call and you had to be able to respond to something, get on an airplane, fly anywhere in the world in a moment's notice. Now there was somewhat of a time for normal life immediately before and usually immediately after deployments. Those normal lives were filled with usually three weeks total. You'd try to go on vacation, usually to somewhere tropical, where you could have drinks, hang out on the beach, you name it. 
occasionally I would be able to slip in a golf trip here and there. That's how I ended up meeting the NLU crew and multiple others that I could not be more thankful for and cherish for being part of my life. But there was really no normal life. After, it's been pretty difficult. And part of our move to Texas is really because of it. I think the community or sense of community that you have while you're in the military is amazing. You're all going through the same thing together. You're hanging out together. Your spouses are hanging out together. Your kids are hanging out together. You're kind of going through these same roadblocks or not necessarily roadblocks, but phases of life together. You're celebrating successes together and you're celebrating lots of failures together. There's also heartbreak and triumph and everything else that comes with it. But when you take yourself out of that, your sense of community slowly goes away. We realized that last year. The people that we used to talk to daily turned into weekly, turned into monthly. We no longer were getting invited to people's houses anymore for celebrations or anything else like that. And it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just that that chapter of our life is gone. We no longer are a part of that crew. So we made the decision to make our own life, to find our new crew, and to create our new community. Because ultimately, that's what we wanted. And thankfully, because of our jobs, we have the freedom to move wherever we want. Yari has always wanted to come back to Texas. We wanted to raise our kids in Texas. We wanted to have them educated in Texas. And frankly, there's a ton of benefits for military veterans in Texas. The hardest part about it was trying to figure out where we were actually going to move to. We first looked at Austin, and it was way too expensive and not enough square feet and probably just not the scene for us or how we want to raise our kids. We looked at San Antonio and North San Antonio, and we could get land, but ultimately it just wasn't for us. And then we decided to look at Dallas-Fort Worth area and immediately found communities neighborhoods within those communities that we fell in love with. And that's how we made our decision. And we could not be more happy with the decision. Transition's been hard. I'm not going to sugarcoat that side of it. But I'm happy that I'm here solo meeting new friends and building our tribe out. And I'm extremely grateful that the move came with the built-in community for my wife and for my kids where we have family, we have extended friends, you name it, to make everything about raising kids in this world a little bit easier because that's the most important thing to me now. The next question kind of goes through the same vein. What's it feel like to be moving from a Mecca like Pinehurst to Dallas-Fort Worth? I think a lot of people look at Pinehurst as just the golf courses that everybody wants to travel and play. The resort is amazing. Number two, number four are world-class. Pine Needles, Mid Pines, and Southern Pines are right up there with them. It's a great spot to vacation. It's a great spot to be young and single. It's a great spot to be newly married. It is a horrible spot if you have young kids who you're trying to raise. 
there's just not a lot of amenities that are there that come with most normal towns. The biggest thing that you can buy any sort of supplies from is a Walmart. That's it. They've been petitioning for like 20 years to get a Target there. And just recently, Target has finally shown interest. And hopefully they get one built. It's also an area of the country that's very divided. You're either very hardcore conservative or extremely liberal. There is no middle ground. And if you're somebody who can see both sides of the topic, both sides of an issue, most of the time you don't fit in. Because again, you're either with us or you're against us. Next question, what is it like running live shows behind the scenes? It's a lot of pressure, a lot of scrambling. I don't think people realize this, but in order to prepare for a live show, we have pre-production meetings, we have a running agenda, there's time, there's thought, there's a ton of effort that goes into it from graphics package that we're putting in or setting up the actual live streams and making sure each remote guest is ready to go to figuring out who we're going to have a special guest for that show and then on top of that, trying to watch golf that day yourself to make sure that when you're called upon or if there's something that we happen to miss during the show, you can fill in. At the end of the day, though, they're all a ton of fun. It's something that I never expected myself to be in the position to ever do. In fact, I remember I had to beg in order to get a shot to do it in the very beginning, and I had no clue what I was doing. I think I've watched hundreds of hours of YouTube videos on how to be a remote producer. I've signed up and done webinars. I've reached out to people on LinkedIn to try to figure out what they do, how they create runs of shows, little things, segments that they can fill in to try to teach myself as fast as I can how to actually do this job. And there's still a long, long way to go. To all you guys that tune in to the live shows, thank you a ton uh, the bot wars are awesome. I don't know where they come from or how they pop up, but I know they come off keywords. And a lot of people have reached out and said, hey, you can change the comment limits. You can make it so only subscribers can comment. But we've also noticed that people who, the, well, the numbers of people who actually watch the live streams go down if you have to be a subscriber. So it's kind of a give or take. But I think we've had a pretty good run of shows this year. And next year, we have a couple more scheduled. So I'm very, very excited to get that up and running. Next question is an Instagram question from Alexander Jacobs. Best type of steak? Ribeye, hands down. Uh, no real comment. Or, or I guess we don't even have to debate that. If there's not a ribeye on the menu, probably going to get a filet of some sort. All right, a complete bucket of questions here at the end that I didn't really know where to fit them in at, but first one, how do you maintain such a silky smooth move? I don't know. That's just kind of how it's always been. I grew up learning my golf swing based off of watching Fred Couples videos, and then as I got older, it was like a mashup between VJ and Ernie L. So I try to, uh, I liked having my hands high like VJ. I like the tempo of Ernie, and I just wanted to look cool as a kid like Freddie. 
Does G4 make the worst quality golf shoe on the market? I don't know. I've never worn them before. Based off their hats, they're absolutely horrible, but that's crazy. I, I wouldn't expect their shoes to be the worst quality. I don't know if that's a, a feel question or if that's just based off how they look, but everybody that I've talked to seems to like them, so that's a new one on me. Favorite coffee brand, of course, Good Walk Coffee all day long. The founder, Chris, and the group of people that he has associated with the company now are phenomenal. I wish them nothing but success for everything that they currently are doing and everything that they have planned in the future. All right, guys, that was it. Appreciate everybody sending in questions. Like I said, if you're into this sort of thing, shoot me a DM, send me an email, and we'll uh, get some more on the docket. We'll have a regular interview podcast coming out later this week. So cheers.